what is up guys we're back i really hope the audio sounds better i have my computer up and running we're plugged in to the preamp we're plugged into the mic but the problem is is that the battery still won't charge so once it dies again it might be game over again so i have to do this episode in one take that's not an excuse we can do it i can do it i hope i hope but welcome to another episode of Something Healthy, aka Broke Bitch Anonymous, formerly known as Broke Bitch Anonymous. I think I'm having a little bit of buyer's remorse with my name change. Honestly, as the kind of weeks have drawn on and I've been able to reflect on the direction of this show, questioning, you know, if it's going to shit, which is there's always a voice in my head saying that it is absolutely going to shit and why did I even attempt to do this? Um... I kind of miss being that girl having $20,000 months, even if what I was doing for the $20,000, like I'm not proud of, and I hope to never have to go back to the strip club again. I kind of miss being that person and living that lifestyle and coming on here and talking about it and telling all of my embarrassing stories about that chapter. I'm not going to repeat any of the stories. If you want to listen, you can go back. But now we are functioning adults in society. Well, vaguely, vaguely, we're trying, we're (laughs) fucking trying. And it's been another couple weeks of trying. But the comforting thing is that I know I'm not the only one who's going through it. I didn't want to talk about this because I was scared, to be honest. I was scared and I was worried that it was becoming a little bit too repetitive, but I'm shocked At the amount of people that actually said, like, when are we getting a yay episode? It wasn't that many people. It was like six. But that's a lot. That's a lot for me of requesting one thing. Like, nobody ever really requests an episode on something. So while I'm afraid to touch this subject with a 10-feet pole, because as somebody who's been accused of racism in the past, as somebody who's been canceled in the past... I try really hard. Well, I don't really try that hard. I guess I do kind of talk a lot of shit still, but I do avoid certain subjects, like especially when it comes to, you know, Ye's anti-Semitism and, and all of that stuff. To me, that's like a minefield. I don't I don't know what it, it's like uh, you, when you're stepping on the ground and bombs could go off, but you don't see the bombs. What is that called? It's like that. So... On the one hand, I'm like, uh, I'm scared to say something completely retarded because it's a subject I don't fully understand. And on the other hand, I'm like, are are we not tired? Are we not tired of hearing about Kanye West? Because frankly, I am getting a little bit exhausted with hearing his voice. I'm, I am. But it's difficult for me to navigate that exhaustion because I truly grew up with Kanye West. And I think people that are my age group, like, I'm 30. And if I would say it's like a very narrow range of people, but we are fucking strong because I think we are like the fundamental group that is still keeping Kanye relevant at this point. I would say if you're from the age of 28 to 34, you were in a very pivotal time in your life, whether you were in middle school or high school, you were in a very, very critical time in your life when Kanye was becoming Kanye, when he was still rocking the pink polos, when he dropped college dropout, when he dropped, you know, you, I I remember walking to school, listening to Good Morning. Like I, I will never forget how listening to Ye 
made me feel in that super critical time. And from that point on deciding like, this is my favorite artist. I love this man. And there's very little that he could do to ever fuck that up. And I've felt like that more or less ever since then, ever since, what was it? Um, like 2007, 2006, like the, the two, the two thousands. I remember watching Kanye like in his pink polo on MTV before I was even in like high school and just seeing, I loved hip hop even then, even as like a nerdy little white girl, but it was so different. And so I think if you're in that age group and you grew up with Ye like I did, you have a, a soft spot in your heart for him. Most people do anyways. And some of my friends now were like in their early twenties, like my friend Gabby, who was just visiting me this weekend. Um, she's like a few years younger than me and she didn't grow up with Kanye like that. So she's just like, I don't really get it. Like I'm, she didn't say I, I don't get it. She's just like, I, I don't care. Like it's, you know, she, those, if you're a little bit younger, I don't think you have that emotional attachment to somebody that you don't know. Like I do. So I say all of that to say, I don't think Kanye is crazy. This is, this is the one take I haven't seen. I have not seen this take on any of the podcasts or any of the media that I've consumed about this subject. And I also want to talk about another Kardashian situation that's been happening. So fuck it. This is the Kardashian episode. I don't care if you don't like it. Tune out now. This is the Kardashian episode. These are the worst Kardashians. This is the worst Kardashian. I say all that to say, I don't think Kanye is crazy. I think Kanye understands America. Like he understands what triggers people. He understands what buttons to push. He understands that no one loves a redemption arc more than we do. He understands that most of his fans and most people will always welcome him back with open arms, especially, especially as he continues to play this, the mental health card, even though he doesn't necessarily even play it that much, his kind of fans and supporters will always play it like, Oh, he was, you know, exhausted or he, he is bipolar especially while he has that excuse, people will always welcome him back. So I don't even think that Kanye is crazy. I don't think he's off his meds. I think I kind of fluctuate between two extremes. On the one hand, I'm like, okay, this is a man who gave us some great music and some cool clothes. That's like, yes, Kanye's done other things, I guess, but that's really his legacy. Like he designed some cool shit and he gave us some, some great albums many years ago. I'm, I don't listen to Jesus is King like that or Donda like that. It's a cool album, but I'm, I don't repeat them. He gave us some classic albums and he gave us some, you know, comfortable shoes and some cool clothes. Why do we still hold him in such a high regard and to such a high esteem? Why do, like he doesn't, who cares, you know? And on the other hand, I'm like, okay, clearly this guy is getting at something and seeing something that we don't. And the albums hold a lot of weight. The legacy in fashion holds a lot of weight. We should hear him out. Like I, I go back and forth between the two, ultimately landing somewhere in the middle of, I, I kind of always keep up with what the hell he's saying because it's hard to avoid. But I think ultimately, whether or not you believe that Kanye is a genius or you think he's just a bumbling idiot, I don't think that really matters in this discussion, actually. 
It will matter more, like if he is seriously, you know, running for president, and if he becomes the Republican or the Democratic candidate. I don't. I guess he's going to be running Republican. I don't know the Libertarian candidate. Maybe that discussion will matter more. For now, Kanye isn't actually a threat to our society. He's not. The discussion of whether he's a genius or an idiot, I think, is irrelevant. I feel like the more interesting thing is that he is a you know, deeply flawed person as we all are, who is very much ready and open to display these flaws for the world to see, not out of any sort of necessarily noble character. I think Kanye just likes attention. And he knows that when he says certain inflammatory things, people, he's going to get attention. And that's why I think it's so dumb that Kanye wants to buy Parler, like the, you know, right wing social media app, which, by the way, is owned by Candace Owens husband. Most like I keep seeing people talk about who owns Parler. Where did it come from? Everybody like it's so weird that most people don't know it's owned by Candace Owens husband. I'm pretty sure. Like, should I look this up? George Farmer, I think his name is that's Candace Owens husband. So obviously Kanye is close with Candace Owens. The opportunity to buy parlor, like it was probably brought up like at the dinner table or something when they were having dinner, they're friends. This is not, it's not like Elon trying to buy Twitter from this anonymous board of directors. Kanye and Candace Owens are friends. I'm assuming Kanye knows her husband. So, which is a whole other actually thing to unpack. Like, are they pitching Kanye by parlor because they just like want to cash out and, you know, live as billionaires or however much Kanye would buy parlor for knowing that this is a relatively worthless social media app? Not that parlor is necessarily worthless, but the worth, in my opinion, has not really been proven yet. And I think that's why Kanye, even if he does buy it, which it seems like he's going to, because now he's been kicked off of or like severely banned or limited from like Twitter and Instagram and everyone has dropped him like this morning. I think Adidas dropped him, Balenciaga, you know, every single company that he's been tied to, everyone's dropping him. So I think he's going to buy it. But the problem is Kanye does all this shit for attention, for mainstream attention, because he knows that the attention good or bad, can be flipped into good and he will funnel that attention into his next venture, whether it's an album, whether it's a clothing line, whether it's his community that he's trying to build, whether it's his school, like whatever it is. There is no mainstream attention on Parler. And even if Kanye does go over there, the mainstream media will continue to ostracize Parler as an alt-right, like QAnon, fucking 4chan, 8chan type of thing. It's going to be very, very difficult to find any mainstream attention on Parler, even for Kanye. Even if he gets on there talking some crazy shit or going on an apology tour, eventually people will get kind of tired of it. And because it's ostracized as this alt-right place people automatically approach Parler from a point of skepticism and it will never be like, it will never be on par with 
Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. It'll never, it won't. The, the powers that be, the money that controls giant corporations, giant social media platforms, Facebook, all of that, they will never allow Parler to be on par with these other platforms, I believe. So I feel like Kanye is going to go over there and he's going to fucking hate it because he's just going to be screaming to himself or screaming to, I mean, a bunch of like the stereotype of people who are on Parler. It's like this, you know, white boy Tucker Carlson viewership, which Kanye eventually will alienate as well. The, the niche of who Kanye will not alienate is very small. And I think I'm one of the people in that camp, but it's very small. He's not really pitching to a lot of people at this point. Like you're like the pitch is like an anti-Semitic white lives matter, but also pro black, but also anti-Kardashian, but also built the Kardashians up, but all more than anyone, arguably other than Kris Jenner, but also, you know, hip hop mogul slash fallen fashion mogul. Like the, the pitch is very niche at this point. Most people are just gonna be like, you know what? I'm straight. I'm good. I don't, I don't need to follow this man's every word. We're good. And even if you are still in that small camp of people who Kanye hasn't really ostracized yet, like I am, or that, you know, is still relatively a fan, like I am, his whole constant pocket watching and always saying, I'm the richest man, I'm the richest artist, I'm the biggest billionaire, even if you respect that side of him and, you know, you're an entrepreneur that aspires to be like, yay, for even just monetary reasons like you want to be a billionaire too I mean who doesn't want to be a billionaire even that now is going away like today is Tuesday October 25th so this morning Adidas officially dropped Kanye and now I literally just saw this notification literally just popped up on my phone but without Adidas Ye is allegedly now only worth, which is still a lot of money, but he's not a billionaire anymore. Apparently he's only worth $400 million, according to Forbes, as of this morning. So it's a complicated situation because it's like, I think we're all ready for the redemption arc of Kanye. Like we're all ready for him to come back and go on his apology tour and start making cool foam runners again. I don't know if we're all ready, actually, but I think most people, it would be a relief. It would be a relief to not have this person who is just becoming a little bit cringy to watch at this point, to have, you know, a more, a less hateful Kanye just chill out. I think it would be just like a breath, like an exhale, a collective exhale from society. But anyway... Now he's worth $400 million. So even the billionaire status is gone. But part of me thinks, and I hope this isn't giving him too much credit, but part of me thinks like, maybe this is just what Kanye does. He, every album, every collection in fashion, everything that he's ever really created or put out has been pushing the the fucking envelope 
10 times harder than he did before. So even with a redemption arc, maybe he wants to fall from grace so heavily that when he does come around with the redemption arc, it'll be, you know, the applause will be 10 times more. I think personally the fear is maybe I'm just pussy for this, but to me, even if you're yay, I wouldn't fuck with, you can't fuck with people's money. You can't fuck with people in power and you can't fuck with giant social media and entities because they got Trump out of here. They got, I can't even think of everyone who has been kicked off of, of platforms like Twitter and Instagram, but there's so many people, Andrew Tate, I don't know, Steve will do it on YouTube. Um, that's a really random group of people to name, but you guys know there's a lot. And once they get you out of here on those platforms, you're probably not going to come back. You're, you're probably not going to come back because if nothing else, like people like to prove a point, people like to prove that they are right. And I think when you're dealing with someone like Kanye that also likes to prove that he is right and is extremely stubborn, I feel like those corporations are only going to double down and be like, no, we're right. You're fucking out of here, man. And Kanye's just going to be screaming to himself on parlor. I hope I'm wrong. I think I hope I'm wrong. The one positive interaction that Ye has had this week, the one positive thing, and I think this is maybe something that a lot of us could learn from. Kanye did an, an interview, a podcast with Lex Friedman. I listen to Lex's show sometimes. I was introduced to him through... I think it was Joe Rogan. Lex would go on his show sometimes. And then there's this group of like pseudo intellectual libertarian esque internet personalities that I absolutely think Lex is and has been a part of for a while. It's like Lex Friedman, Joe Rogan, um, Brett Weinstein and his wife that have the dark horse podcast that were canceled and then fired from their positions as university professors uh, I would say Jordan Peterson is in there. I would say like Tim Dillon is in there as kind of like a dark humor comic. If you guys like follow that group of people, you know that it like they're all friends with each other. They're all, they kind of occupy like a very large but still extremely niche space of the internet where someone like Charlemagne the God or um, I don't know, like Drink Champs or breakfast club or like those platforms, like there's no cross, there's like never any crossover between those two worlds ever. Like they are very different media spaces and they're both, you know, very prominent, but this like pseudo and not, I mean, it is kind of like pseudo intellectual, dark intellectual web, um, that these people are in. And as somebody who's followed Lex for the last couple of years, I'm going to be honest, I don't listen to every podcast because a lot of it goes over my head sometimes. Like he'll have, you know, the founder of Ethereum on and some, you know, crazy space engineer and all this stuff. And I'm listening and I'm like, I'm kind of bored. I'm, I'm kind of bored. I need some like drama. I need some like fuckery in here. And also, even though I am trying to learn about, like when I'm listening to a Lex Friedman show, it's like, yeah, I'm trying to learn about, the the ways of the universe essentially if you don't have a foundational understanding of a lot of the subjects that Lex and his guests cover it will I'm not gonna lie to you like I'm not gonna try and sound smarter than I am a lot of it does kind of go over your head and you kind of just catch yourself like it's like when you're reading a book and you're reading a paragraph that you 
don't really understand because the language, like you might just not be familiar with that terminology or something. You're kind of reading a paragraph and you're already distracted and it just kind of like, you don't absorb it. You just kind of disassociate. That's kind of how I feel when I listen to Lex's show sometimes. However, he does have some excellent guests and he is an excellent interviewer and it's not even giving them too much credit. I don't even think Lex Friedman is that smart. I think he is just extremely dedicated and, you know, obviously has a great education. He works in AI at MIT. Like this is a very intelligent person who has also made himself much more intelligent. He's a very hardworking person. He's very disciplined, but Kanye did an interview with him the other day. I think it came out yesterday. I watched it yesterday and this morning. And it's such a weird crossover of worlds. I never would have thought that Kanye would go on Lex Friedman's show, even though I guess I should have assumed because Kanye does seem to really look up to people like Elon Musk and, you know, these great engineers and these great founders. And that's who goes on Lex's show. So to me, I'm like, this is an interesting crossover, but I guess Kanye wanted to give Lex the platform. I mean, Lex does not have the biggest platform compared to other people. Like I would say, I mean, drink champs, obviously that the Kanye's interview was taken down from has a bigger platform than Lex. A lot of places have bigger platforms than Lex, but he went on Lex's show. And I think some people would say that that is Kanye looking for white validation. I've heard that criticism a lot from critics of Kanye right now. They're like, this man just wants white validation. He doesn't actually like he's lost. He is, you know, crazy. And he is just this unhealed person looking for white validation. I think that's really sad. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. I feel like people can definitely use this interview as, you know, proof of that if that's what they're looking for proof of. However, cause Lex's show, it's like, I mean, Lex is, Russian he's white um and a lot of his viewers are just like nerdy white guys I'm assuming but it was I believe one of the first positive Kanye interviews in a really long time and Kanye actually was like sitting there taking notes from Lex they were having a very intense and difficult back and forth especially about the anti-semitic stuff but it was like a humbling and humanizing interview, I think, for Kanye, because it wasn't an argument. It wasn't Kanye just going on a a rant about a hundred different subjects in five minutes. Lex actually like kept it in line. There are timestamps. There's, you know, certain subject subjects that are covered for five, 10, 15 minutes, which is single subjects, which is actually an accomplishment for a Kanye interview because most of the time he's just bouncing between, you know, I don't get to see my kids. I don't have control over where my kids go to school. I'm the richest man. Like Adidas, like it's always going, it's always juggling 15 balls at once. And Lex actually kept him on track and it was actually a positive interview. Even though Kanye was still stubborn because it's Kanye, like he's going to be stubborn. There were some very, I think, poignant, pivotal moments like Lex, for example, was like, instead of just saying Jewish media, shouldn't you just, it wouldn't it be better and less hate, less harmful towards, you know, Jewish people as a whole, if you single out certain people, if you're talking about, oh, this record label, you know, owns all of these black artists, recordings, this lawyer, 
all that he's like why don't you just single out certain people and and yay kept going back to well it's it's like jewish media it's jm which is like the abbreviation he started to say because lex was saying that jewish media is hateful saying jewish media is hateful the patience that i think lex had throughout the interview was something that most of us should aspire to i don't think most people could have done that interview like some other people some other interviewers and like great podcast hosts and stuff that i can think of definitely could have pushed back on some of what yay was saying for sure but i don't think most people could have been as patient with kanye and as non-confrontational as lex was to actually get what lex got out of him which was like a humanizing calm conversation that made more sense than a lot of the shit that Kanye has gone on record to say recently. It made more sense than the drink champs interview. It made more sense than the Piers Morgan interview. Not that it necessarily had to make more sense. Cause at a certain point it's like, do we care who really cares? You know, who really cares? It's, is it a train wreck that you can't stop watching or are we just all bored and addicted to scrolling through our phones and so going to keep up with Kanye just out of a sense of like bored obligation who really cares but again I think since most of us do seem to still care at least the fucked up people like me that still seem to care I think the learning point and the interesting part is Kanye displaying his flaws whether he means to do that intentionally or not displaying his flaws for the world to see. Like, for example, there was a moment where he's talking about, he's comparing BLM, Black Lives Matter, to Jewish media. And he's saying, well, like, Black Lives Matter, Lex is talking about, shouldn't you, like, fuck, I can't even explain (laughs) how they were comparing the two, but pretty much saying, like, well, Black Lives Matter fucked over black people, so... Why can't we also talk about how Jewish media is fucking people over and fucking over black people? Like it's the same shit. And it kind of feels like Kanye is taking two wrongs and trying to shove them together into making a right. And Lex is kind of just giving him that moment to be wrong, which by the way, only a billionaire or someone who is extremely, extremely wealthy can do and that is also another teachable moment I think that a lot of us should walk away from this whole fucking situation with Kanye can talk the way he's talking and be a psycho because he's a billionaire it costs so much money to speak these days to have a real opinion this whole conversation about freedom of speech there was an interesting point I was listening to the Brilliant Idiots podcast with Andrew Schultz and Charlemagne the God. And they said, yeah, freedom of speech exists still, but it's going to cost you something. Like you can't just go out and say whatever you want and think that there are no consequences to that. And I'm like, okay, sure. So it it might cost you your job. It might cost you your relationships. It might cost you a lawsuit. There's so many different types of costs that what you say could bring. And they're saying, When people say we don't have freedom of speech anymore, they're wrong. We do have freedom of speech. It's just going to cost you. It's an interesting point. I would also say if you want to have, if you have a controversial opinion 
and you want to share it. And by controversial, I mean anything that doesn't perfectly align with the Twitter approved, Instagram approved, Facebook approved narratives of today. Like COVID is a perfect example of this. If you had anything to say that was against the vaccines, against big pharma, you would be censored. You would be, you know, your posts would be flagged. If you said too much, your whole channel you would could get deleted on YouTube. You would get strikes against you for spreading misinformation, you know, and now a lot of that stuff has come out to be true. Like, yeah, the vaccines don't actually prevent infection. They actually, that's true. But if you couldn't say that a year ago because you would get demonetized, your post would get flagged, you would suffer consequences. If you have any opinion that doesn't perfectly align with whatever narrative is being put into place, you better have a lot of money if you want to say something. And I think that is maybe one of the not necessarily scariest parts, because let's be honest, there's there's scarier things than not being able to send out a tweet. Like someone breaking into your house is scary. Someone pulling a gun on you is scary. Um, like knowing you're going to be a single parent is scary. The, like knowing you, not knowing how you're going to feed your kids is scary. Losing your job is fucking scary. There's real life things that are really scary. But in a bigger picture sense, only feeling comfortable to speak publicly when you're already extremely wealthy and influential is kind of scary because a lot of us could never, ever, ever say one one hundredth of what Kanye has said in the last few weeks. We would lose everything. Like we, I would have been kicked off of every social media platform a long time ago. And I even catch myself as I'm I'm recording this podcast, like the beauty of this show is that it's, to be honest, like obviously it would be amazing if there was millions of people listening, but at the same time, kind of the beauty of it is that it is small and I have the freedom to say what I want. And it has like a very niche audience that support me and uh, like appreciate what I have to say. And so every week when I put something out, there isn't this, even if I say some crazy shit, there aren't that many people listening. So I actually can say some crazy shit and the consequences are not going to be that big. But even within this, you know, the small confines of this show, I'm still constantly and consistently aware of like, I don't want to say anything too crazy because I don't want to fuck my whole life up. And not even too crazy in the sense of, I'm about to start saying some like crazy, hateful, super racist rhetoric. It's just when you see what people are quote unquote canceled for, when you see what people are demonetized for, when you see what people are taken, like taken off of platforms for it's, it's scary. And it just makes me think like we've arrived in this place as a society where you literally need a billion dollars just to speak. Like that's what it takes now. You need a billion dollars and the fearless attitude that like you'll every, anything you lose, you'll gain it back just to speak what you actually, just to say what you actually want to say. 
Not saying that Kanye is right. Not saying he should have said anything about the death con three shit with Jews. I don't know what he meant by that. I don't even think Kanye knew what he meant by that, to be honest with you. It's incoherent. It doesn't make sense. Maybe it was like, see, I'm, I want to say maybe it was a bad joke, but I'm like, oh, people will say that you're insensitive, Claudia, if you say maybe it was a bad joke. So I don't know what it was. That's not an excuse for what he said. It was a dumb thing to tweet, but You have to be a billionaire just to say shit that doesn't fall in line with the narrative. That's all. And even if you are a billionaire or just super wealthy and influential, there will still be extreme consequences to what you say if it's against the grain of what people want you to believe. Like... I don't want to defend, you know, this is not a, a pro Alex Jones show, but I just can't help but think like now George Floyd's family apparently is suing Kanye for saying that George Floyd died from fentanyl and not the knee on the neck thing. Another subject that's like a fucking grenade that I don't want to touch um, at all. I have no interest in touching that subject. Um because I'm terrified to touch it because I know if I don't say exactly you know, George Floyd died from the knee being on his neck, which he obviously did. But when they did the autopsy, they did find fentanyl in his system too. I guess now I'm talking about it. Like both things can be true, I guess. Like he obviously did die from being unable to breathe, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't fentanyl in his system too. Anyway, Kanye is being sued now by George Floyd's family for saying what he said about the fentanyl stuff, which is really unfortunate and really too bad. And it does make me feel like maybe Ye is a little bit too easily influenced by things that he sees in people that are in his ear in a sense. Like obviously Kanye has been hanging out a lot with Candace Owens and she made that documentary about George Floyd and it exposed or quote unquote exposed that George Floyd died from fentanyl and not Derek Chauvin's knee. And this is a subject I know nothing about However, I didn't watch the documentary. However, I think it's pretty clear that George Floyd also died from like asphyxiation of his airway being blocked because there was a knee on his neck. Um, so whatever happened behind the scenes, whatever else was going on that day, I feel like it's not as relevant to the fact that the scene that everybody, you know, saw. And even beyond that, like police brutality is a very real thing. Police killing black men specifically is a very real thing and to spin it into like, Oh, it was this one guy that did fentanyl is kind of besides the point. I think it's, it's kind of a disgusting way to flip the narrative to be honest, but that's not to say, <laughs> excuse me. That's not to say that there, he wasn't also doing fentanyl. So whatever it is, what it is. But Kanye's obviously been hanging out with Candace Owens a lot. And this is something that Candace Owens really believes. She made an entire documentary about it. She, the greatest lie ever sold, you know, that George Floyd didn't die from the knee, all this stuff. So if you want to watch it, watch it. I haven't watched it because I, I just, I don't care um, to watch it, to be honest with you. But it's unfortunate that clearly that that's a Candace Owens researched opinion. That's her documentary and that Kanye gets on, you know, a giant platform and, and repeats it. It's unfortunate because it's just not, that's not a battle that Kanye should be fighting. That that's Candace Owens's battle. That's not, 
That's that's not the take we need from Ye. We didn't come to the Kanye West interview to hear about George Floyd. You feel me? But he still gave us the take. And now he's being sued by the family of George Floyd for $250 million, which is um, just about half, just over half of his apparent alleged net worth now because he got dropped from, from Adidas. But the point is, you need to have that money, even if you want to have that crazy fucking take. If you're not super wealthy, you cannot afford to speak anymore. Like, it reminds me now also the Alex Jones shit is so crazy. And Kanye being sued for $250 million, at least that's money he actually has. So if he has to pay that, that really sucks. But he actually has that money. Alex Jones is being sued for almost a billion dollars for the the Sandy Hook shit that he said that it didn't actually happen. The whole massacre essentially didn't happen, which is really an unfortunate take that Alex Jones had. I think maybe he was having like a mental episode. He went way too hard on that specific subject. I do think that Alex Jones has made some good points in the past. I think his coverage of COVID was like right on the money. Um, His coverage of like digital IDs that are coming out past COVID passports, all that shit. He was correct. Like he's not, it's unfortunate that when you talk about Alex Jones and you don't say, I know he's a crazy conspiracy theorist. If you don't say exactly that, then you seem crazy too. But like this man's been right about a lot of shit. Sorry. He has. Have I also, I remember I was listening to a Tim Dillon podcast once and Tim was like, yeah, um, I listened to, I used to listen to Alex Jones to fall asleep because he was so entertaining and like calming almost. And I honestly started listening to Alex Jones to fall asleep at a certain dark point in my life also. But This man is now being sued for almost a million, a billion dollars for the Sandy Hook situation, which is really unfortunate. He should have never said that about Sandy Hook. Um, People get stuff wrong, but you can't, you can't triple down onto something that you got so blatantly wrong and then keep digging your heels in. And especially when it comes to dead children, like what an ugly, horrific situation. However, the billion dollars that Alex is being sued for. He doesn't have that fucking money. That's a figurative number. The families are never going to, they're not going to get that money. They're, they're never going to see that money because Alex doesn't have it. And even if every dollar he makes from now until his death goes towards that billion, they're still never going to see that money. So it's almost like the suit should have been for less because it's almost then, I mean, Alex would have had it. So the, families would have seen the money because Alex would have been forced to pay it. But regardless, even though he got it completely wrong, even though it was extremely insensitive and he should have just kept his mouth shut about the whole situation, to be honest, um, that's how much it costs to have it, to have an opinion. Now that's how much it costs to have an opinion that goes against the grain. It costs a billion dollars. It costs at least $250 million. It costs your whole career. It costs your whole digital presence, which is arguably more important than your real life presence at this point in our history. It costs so much. You have to be a billionaire to speak now. And just to cement this point even further, there was a really interesting tweet from somebody that I did not expect to hear from, to be honest with you. Grew up on her music. Shout out to her. Love MIA. Paper Planes was my shit. But She had a tweet a few days ago, and I'm going to read it to you. She said, if Alex Jones pays for lying, shouldn't every celebrity pushing vaccines pay too? It's a good question. 
it's some level of critical thinking that I think is absent in a lot of uh, these discussions because people are afraid to think outside of exactly what they are told to say and do. The next tweet is, Alex Jones lying and Pfizer lying, both trending. One with penalty, other without. If you have no critical thinking faculty, this is about as crazy as, as crazy as we should get before a nuclear war wipes out the human race. You have to be a billionaire just to speak now. And if you want to lie, if you want to lie, oh baby, you better have billions of dollars because not to always bring it back to COVID. There's other shit in the world. COVID is over. Who cares about that? But it's a good point. These pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies lied. They made billions of dollars. Someone else lies. They're fine billions of dollars. It's just whatever lie aligns with I hate this word, but the agenda, the, that's the only word I can think of to use. Whatever lie aligns best with what global governments and whoever the fuck is in charge has going on, whatever lie aligns best with that, you will make billions. And if you speak out against it, whether you're right, wrong, doesn't matter. You will be charged a lot of money and you better pay up. But to go back to Kanye for a second, because this is supposed to be about Kanye. I personally think that Kanye is on the brink. Uh, is He's on a dangerous precipice. Is that the right word? He's on the brink, kind of, of risking becoming just another media talking head that no one really cares that much about. He's becoming a little bit overexposed only because his opinions are very repetitive. Even with somebody as, you know, gently prodding and understanding and compassionate as Lex Friedman, which I think Lex absolutely is all of those things as an interviewer. Even with somebody like that, Kanye is still sounding a little bit repetitive and it's getting a little boring. He's not an entertainer in the sense of words. You can tell Kanye doesn't even really value like ideas and writing and like intellect that is measured in that capacity. I don't think Kanye even really values it that much, which means he's not ever going to be that much of an interesting speaker. Kanye values design. Kanye values engineering. Kanye values like ingenuity in that sense. And that's great. We need people like that. Kanye looks up to Elon Musk and Steve Jobs more than he looks up to anyone else, it seems like. He's not an entertainer in the sense of like a a podcaster or a media personality with hot takes. That's not who Kanye is. That's not what he values most in this world. And yet, we see him every few days because there's always another interviewer who wants interviewer who wants to cash out on Kanye's opinions and the hits that his presence will generate, the views that his presence will generate. We keep seeing him every few days with a new interview and it's getting a little bit it's even for me like I I think it's getting a little bit boring and I I think Kanye is running the risk of overexposing himself to the point that 
eventually we're going to stop listening as much. We're just going to skim through because how many times can you say the same things in slightly different ways? You know, how many times can you talk about the Kardashians and that you're not able to see your kids and that the Kardashians lied and all of this stuff? Even with that, even with people's insatiable curiosity about the Kardashians and wanting to hear Kanye speak about them, I feel like it's going, it's getting old already. Because at this point, if you're a sane person with any critical thinking faculties whatsoever, there's no way that you can still believe the Kardashians and everything they say. There's no way that you can still wholeheartedly support them and just be a a huge fan. And if you are, you're kind of dumb, I think. Like... (laughs) Maybe, yeah, they're entertaining. They're, you know, American royalty, essentially. American pop culture royalty. Whatever they are, it doesn't matter. If you still believe everything the Kardashians say is true and you don't look at them like these weird, hyper-rich, greedy people that they are that hoard wealth for essentially no reason and do very little good, frankly, with it. Very little good. If you don't look at them like that, you're a weirdo and you're kind of like you're a little bit slow. If you zoom out on the Kardashian empire and you see their greed and their wealth hoarding all for the sake of like an empty vein, mostly shallow existence that, yeah, has helped some people, I guess, like Kim has freed people from prison and whatever, like whatever the whole empire is, that's not the point of this. But if you just accept everything wholeheartedly, no. And I think more and more people now are even like losing interest in the Kardashians. I feel like that whole empire honestly is folding in on itself where no one really believes what they're saying anymore. And you can tell that now more than ever with I spent way too much time on this subject today, this weekend, you guys. The whole young, sweet Roe, Kylie Jenner, Travis Scott drama of Travis allegedly cheating with this girl that he's, you know, been on and off again or had as a side chick or whatever, been in a relationship with, I don't know the details, for the last 10 years. And this girl, young, sweet Roe, finally came out and said, like, why are you acting like you don't know me and saying you don't know me um, when you do know me? And there's pictures of them together over the last 10 years. So it seems like they do know each other. And it seems like she is telling at least partially the truth. Immediately, as soon as that story broke, almost everyone that I saw anyways was like, yeah, we believe young sweet Roe. Why would we believe the lying Kardashians? Why would we believe the, the car Jenners that constantly try and spin some narrative to benefit them and to prote- protect themselves? Like Kris Jenner, just at the top of this empire, controlling TMZ, controlling so many, not so many, I guess, media outlets, but definitely spinning many mainstream media outlets into favoring the Kardashians because money talks. Kris Jenner just at the top of this controlling, you know, what is said and what is not said about this family. And it's so interesting to see a platform like TikTok where Kris Jenner can't pay off every single creator to watch so many people just being like, yeah, obviously Young Sweet Roe is telling the truth. And even if she's not telling the truth, to see how many people want to believe that she is telling the truth because they want to believe 
that this family is full of liars, that this family is not, that it's bullshit and it's been bullshit. I think that if nothing else just illustrates the fact that like we're all as a collective moving on and we're a little bit over it. We're a little bit over the Kardashians. We're a little bit over watching greedy people be greedy and rich. And so with that, we're a little bit over Kanye spewing the same talking points about the Kardashians over and over and over again. At least I am personally. And, you know, just on a personal note, I guess I have been in young sweet Rose position of being the kind of side chick, whoever situationship, whatever their relationship was. I personally have been in that position a lot more often than I have been in Kylie Jenner's position of being the hyper famous billionaire baby mama girlfriend with all of the power. Like I relate to young sweet row, just kind of like making an Instagram story saying, please don't lie on me a lot more than I relate to Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner. And I think probably a lot of other people feel that way too. Because trying to relate to someone like Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott is like, I don't know, it's like trying to catch a falling knife. Like, why? Why would you even try to relate to people that live on such an, a different planet? Never mind the fact that I honestly personally think Travis Scott is like... I kind of feel like what he did with Astroworld is, is a little bit unforgivable, honestly. There's something evil about that man. I'm sorry to say it. I know I'm going to sound crazy for saying that. There's just something about him that I don't love and I never have. And he literally is responsible, at least partially for killing, I don't know, what was it? 10 kids. So, and that was last year. So for me personally, it's still kind of hard to overlook that. And I know that he's been settling some lawsuits with the families. I don't know the de details of it. I think that Kris Jenner has done, worked overtime to try and keep those details out of the media, to be honest, because I haven't seen really any stories about him settling the lawsuits. But it is weird. Like, it's kind of a double standard where Travis Scott can kill, you know, 10 kids with his concert. Whether or not you believe that it was his fault or not, his raging is largely responsible for, and his encouragement of raging is large, largely responsible for the death of those children. And Alex Jones can get a take wrong, not actually killing anyone and owing a billion dollars and being kicked off of, well, he was already kicked off of everything, but you just see, <laughs> you see the double standards of certain things. And Travis Scott is still welcomed by, you know, giant corporations. He's still now quietly relaunched his sneakers with Nike and all this stuff, like his collaborations. You see the double standards, right? I mean, even with the Kanye shit, like Kanye said a lot of crazy shit in the past that he never got dropped by a company like Adidas and all these. Other, he never got dropped by his bank. Kanye said slavery is a choice. OK, he still had all of his partnerships, even after the George Floyd fentanyl thing where he said George Floyd died from fentanyl, not Derek Chauvin. He still like had Adidas. 
only after he spoke out against Jewish people, not even really speaking out against Jewish people because apologizing, he apologized and corrected himself to say, yeah, it's certain people that, that have been around me because a lot of people that have been around me have been Jewish and they've controlled my life. So correcting it to be, okay, this is his personal experience. Only then he gets dropped from Adidas for being anti-Semitic. That is crazy, kind of. I'm sorry, that is kind of crazy. He's been said a lot of fucked up shit in the past and against a lot of different types of groups, different groups of people and corporations and corporate America hasn't cared. It was only when he spoke out against specific Jewish people that they got him the fuck out of there, which is, that is crazy. I'm sorry, okay? But, you know... If he is able to have a redemption arc from all of this, which if anyone's able to do it, it's Kanye. If he is able to have a redemption arc from all of this, watching it will be one of the greatest redemption arcs of all time, I believe. Like this man has now gone from multi-billionaire to losing it, to losing pretty much everything. If he's able to come back from that and recover... Kanye will be more invincible than ever. And that's what I mean when I say Kanye isn't crazy. He understands America. Kanye understands. I almost think that this is what he wanted. So to set himself up for the challenge of coming back from all of this. The scary part to me is that a lot of people are not able. A lot of people would not be able to come back from this. And I don't know if Ye will be able to do it either, to be honest with you. There's going to be too many powers at play that continue to ostracize him into someone who's off his meds and crazy. So even though I know Kanye looks to himself as somebody who will be the next president of the United States, if he can make that happen and change people's minds enough to do that, we'll see, I guess. (laughs) Excuse me. We will see. Anyway, I'm going to keep following this story from the sidelines. There's a few people that I would love to have to watch Kanye do an interview with, but we'll see. At this point, it's the interviewers that are making this this stuff interesting. It's not really Kanye anymore because he's kind of just saying the same shit over and over again. But I hope you guys are staying healthy. I have had, by the way, like a really weird week when it comes to just health in general. Maybe one day I'll feel comfortable opening up about the whole the whole shit. But I had to go on antibiotics last week um, for an infection that I was really scared to just go on the antibiotics, to be honest, because I knew it would help. But I also like being pregnant and taking antibiotics. I just I was scared that like something was going to go wrong or I was going to like kill all the baby's good bacteria and then just the stress of it and other stuff that was going on. I almost feel like I did some damage or something like to this pregnancy. I don't know. I went into the doctors before they gave me the antibiotics and my blood pressure was so high, you guys, that it set off an alarm on the blood pressure reader machine. Like I didn't know it could do that. It started beeping and like a nurse had to rush over to me. And she looked at me and she looked at my chart, which is like, my blood pressure has been fine for this entire pregnancy. And she was like, this has to be an error. Like this can't be right. But I was like fucking spiraling. And I was like, no, I am like not okay right now. Also, my friend had just given birth upstairs in the same hospital 
And I had just visited her and seen her like brand new newborn baby and like in the same hospital that I'm going to be delivering in. And I was just spiraling, like thinking like, I can't believe, I know it sounds dumb because like I've been known that I'm pregnant and I'm going to have a baby, but just seeing it in the flesh, like the whole situation, it really just, I, I freaked out. Plus I knew I had to take these antibiotics. Plus there was somebody who was texting me saying like, I miss you. Like, I want to see you, whatever. And I was embarrassingly happy to receive this man's texts and embarrassingly fell into the palm of his hands and was like, yeah, I miss you too. Like I can come see you, whatever. And then he left me on red. So that wasn't fun to deal with. That hasn't been fun to deal with my my own mental state I've had to really reassess once again like what the fuck am I doing because you would think that people would have a little bit more just like a little bit more respect and just be a little bit more cordial when you're pregnant like not fuck with you as much just for the sake of their own egos um they don't though and the thing about like rejection or being left on red or whatever when you're pregnant for me, it definitely hurts more because when somebody reaches out, especially someone that I have a history with, when someone reaches out and kind of says like, oh, I miss you. I want to see you, whatever. My mind automatically goes to, oh, he's accepting me and my baby. So this is like, you know, a much deeper thing than it was before. I know that's not healthy, but it feels like the rejection feels it stings worse. It stings worse than it did before. So that's not healthy and that's not fun. Um, so I'm still gonna, I'm gonna spend today still like recovering from that and just like licking my wounds from that and recovering from the antibiotics, which wasn't, they weren't that bad, honestly. It just made like, there's some medications that, Sometimes medicine is important, you guys. Sometimes conventional Western medicine is important. There's a time and a place for it. And this was a time and a place for it. And I am grateful for medical interventions sometimes, even though I do proceed with a lot of caution. And I was honestly such a pussy about taking the, the drugs. I was like crying and I was like, is there anything else I can do? <laughs> oh, but we got it done. So anyway, I hope everyone's staying healthy. I personally took a lot of probiotics um, this week to try and counteract the antibiotics. I don't know if it did anything, but I feel fine. So I feel like it didn't hurt. And yeah, if you are in a Kanye state of mind right now, if you feel like you're losing everything, maybe we can just take Kanye as some kind of inspiration that it'll be okay, except probably not because we're not billionaires, but no, it will. Anyway, I'll see you guys next week. Good night.